Welcome to Real Men Feel. I'm your host, author, coach, and healer, Andy Grant. Real Men Feel is here to remind men that they are human beings and have a right and a need to express all of their emotions. The only definition of masculinity that matters is yours. If yours doesn't feel good, try a new one. My guest today is Jody Wokerling. Jody is a coach, trainer, and author who focuses on resiliency. She finds that resiliency is a key feature of every enduringly successful individual and every organizational culture that is productive and collaborative over the long term. We start off talking about what resilience even means, and Jody was not a fan of the dictionary definitions that I found. Jody shares the three levels of stress and how denying our emotions shows up there. We discuss how saying suck it up is not helping anyone to be resilient. And Jody teaches a number of simple techniques that can bring you back to a state of peace. Let's do it. Hello, Jody, and welcome to Real Men Feel. Thank you so much for having me on, um, Andy. It's my pleasure. So let's just rump, jump, rump. Let's jump right into it and discuss, you know, what is resiliency and, and why do we even care? So what is it? It's I look at it um, basically on a couple of levels. So the first level is um, we're all faced with stresses in our life doing things in our life so that we can stay um, calm and not adversely affected by that stress as much as possible. So that's the first level. The second is, of course, nearly everyone, unless you're a Zen monk who sits in a, a Zen quiet place um, 24-7, most people will get affected by stress at some stage. So the second is when you are affected by stress, bring yourself back to calm as quickly as possible. And half of that is actually recognising it and then knowing how to bring yourself back to calm. And I've sort of recently added kind of a third um, point, which I think is it's fairly relevant because there are times that, yes, we are stressed, we feel stressed, we, um, we are actually really negatively feeling the effects of it. There's almost a third stage of, um, okay, when you are feeling the negative effects of it, almost sort of tapping into that inner grief is probably the best kind of um, description and find a way out through it. Um, and you mightn't be in a great state at the time, but to have that resilience to go, okay, this whatever's happening to me, is not great, um, find the path through it. Okay. So I, I always like to uh, get definitions and make sure everyone's on the same page for a discussion. And so I looked up the definition of resilience, and what I got was the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties, toughness, and the second definition, the ability of a substance or object to spring back into shape, elasticity. Now, especially as a man, I often feel like resilience is that toughness and when I read toughness, that makes me think strict and rigid and firm. And as the elasticity, that second definition feels contrary to me. It doesn't, you know, and, and so I wonder if that's something you see often, or is this a misinterpretation of many humans, not just men? Yeah, I I have a bit of a problem with those definitions. Um, so for example, the the toughness side, to me, that really implies um to push down 
the negative emotions and to push down so that their effect doesn't really seriously affect you. And just pushing, as most people realise, pushing emotions aside or distracting yourself from them doesn't generally help long-term. It may help short-term, but, see, I, yeah, I have a problem with that first definition because of that. Can you run through the second one again, Andy? The second one is the ability of a substance or object to spring back into shape, elasticity. That probably goes through to that when I went through the three kind of parts of it, it goes a little bit more to that to kind of go, okay, um, we've got these issues. What can we do to kind of find our way out of it long term? Because resilience, I think, in terms of things like metals and that sort of stuff, that sort of definition fits in with that. I'm not sure if I've answered your question, but I do have a problem with both of those definitions. Good. No, I'm glad you did because I just, I, that was just the <laughs> first definition that showed up on the internet. I'm not even sure if it's Miriam. It was the first. Google gave me that as the definition, two different options. And because, yep. you know, that's one of the the trappings of of masculinity to, to just be tough. And you even said it. Well, tough to you sounded like don't have emotions, which is really the opposite of my lifelong message <laughs> to be a live human being and to be resilient. Because I, one of the things I wanted to ask, it was this notion of, you know, suck it up and walk it off and all that kind of things. Is that teaching resiliency? But it sounds like, no, it's almost that distortion of it. Yeah, I would agree. Yes, it's a distortion. There are always going to be times where you need to temporarily suck it up. So, for example, you're in a meeting with your um, colleagues or your work team. Somebody says something that sort of triggers something in you. It's generally in a lot of those circumstances not a great thing to react at the time, whether that's anger or, or whatever. So to a certain extent, in some circumstances, you need to kind of push it aside just because of workplace conventions, social conventions, that sort of stuff. But if you take that as your normal constant of how you actually live your life, it's going to build up. So I always sort of think of it as, as emotions that get um, get suppressed and, and they will express themselves in other ways. So yeah. whether that's um, other relationships in your life, whether that's health issues, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, cool. yeah I, I, that's what I tell men all the time. Like whether you think you do or, or, or don't, it doesn't really matter because we all have emotions. And if we're not willing to express them in a, in a free-flowing, resilient manner when they show up, they come out sideways, distorted as stress, as disease, as anger, as violence, all sorts of, um, even the most, if we don't allow ourselves to express our positive emotions, they can be distorted. You know, if, if, if you're someone that thinks all you can do is be angry, that's the only thing that was allowable in your house or the only thing you saw modeled, then you can't freely express your joy, right? So it's really uh, tragic. Now, It's a good point, Andy. When, when we spoke earlier, you, you made a differentiation between authentic resilience and inauthentic. So it feels like we've hit on the inauthentic resilience we, these things we're pointing out. All right. So how what are signs of authentic resilience? Um, I guess one of the first things, the starting point is always recognising in yourself when you are being affected by stress and when, when you're not in a great place because of circumstances or things or triggers or, or whatever in your life. So authentic resilience is one is being really honest and self-aware in terms of that and doing things in your life, either in the moment things or lifestyle things or working on your, your, your key kind of core subconscious things 
to actually work on those things so that you can authentically, so a place of honesty and, and trueness to yourself, stay as much as possible in calm or if you are, if you are stressed, recognise it and, and work out how to bring yourself back to calm um, quicker. Okay. So the resiliency, the reaction of being resilient is getting yourself back to calm, back to a sense of inner peace as quickly as possible. So do you find that most but, people but just... As, you, as you said, authentically bring yourself back to, to calm as quickly as possible. Right, so. right. We're not saying do a shot of whiskey until you feel better. That's not... That would not be authentic resiliency. <laughs> Correct. All right, good. So are, are there practical, like this feels kind of, I can I can just imagine guys saying all oh, this, like it's, it sounds woo-woo, like if I could just decide to be calm, I'd be calm. Like, so what, What? how do you get back to calm? How do you find that sense of inner peace with, with yep. how do you find your grace with grace? Yep. So I always find um, that I work with people on three levels with this and for people who stress is a major issue in their life I need to work on those three levels to really get a, a result so the first level is the quickest and easiest one for people um, to learn and for people to teach and it's quite fun for people to learn so the first level is when you are um, stressed or when you're having an emotional um, fight or flight reaction to something things change physiologically so, so and, and quite often we're not even aware of it. So when those physiological changes happen, you are your body is reacting out of that fight or flight survival mode of if you go back to caveman times, we're in a life, death, life and death situation. What does my body need to do to be able to get me out of that, give me the best chance of getting out of that life or death situation? So things like... Um, your blood flow goes to your extremities, so to your hands and feet. Um, digestion slows down or stops. Um, your immune function slows down. There's, there's a whole range of, of things that happen. So you go into that automatic fight or flight. So the first level is when you are actually stressed, recognising it in yourself, and then there are techniques to almost negate or work against that physiological response. So. Um, one of the most common ones that people know are things um, like deep belly breathing. So one of the things that physiological happens when, happens when we're stressed is our breathing gets more rapid and shallow. So deep belly breathing means you're breathing from the bottom of your lungs. It's called belly breathing because your belly goes in and out if you're doing it yeah. right. And it's very, very slow breathing. So that is telling your body, I'm not in life or death. Um so it's okay to go back to a calmer state. Right. So, um, so with awareness, you consciously decide, wait, I'm, I'm in charge body. Let's slow it all down. Absolutely. Okay. 100% is a good way of putting it. So um, there's a range of these tips and, and techniques, and it's worth realizing that not one technique works for everybody. So the reason why I mentioned the belly breathing, it probably works for more people than any of the others but if you find for some people um belly breathing doesn't work for whatever reasons so then you try one of the others so there's simple things like one of my favorite ones to teach people is is when you're stressed your mouth dries up 
And most people can relate to this if they've had to do public speaking and they're really kind of on edge stress, they'll find that their mouth dries up and they need to drink water. So just doing something as simple as stopping yourself swallowing your saliva, let it build up. I know it sounds gross. Uh, Let it build up, swirl it around in your mouth. um, And then once you've swirled it around, sort of swallow it and, and maybe repeat if needed. What that does is telling your body, I'm not in life or death because my mouth hasn't dried up, it's okay to calm down. And that's a great one to do when you're surrounded by other people because unless you have to speak, no one's going to know that you're doing it. Cool. All right. And so what? what let's see. So really uh, awareness, uh, you know, take control, take some step to change your physiology. Yep. And so so what's, what's the second level? Okay. So the second level is um, – Things that you can do in your life basically to mean that you stay more in a state of calm more often. Um, so they are lifestyle things and quite often mindset things of, of, of how you live your life. So um, in terms of lifestyle, the three basics are sleep, diet and exercise. Getting those, they, people, people really underestimate the effects of those on our ability to deal with the stresses in in our life because we're all going to have stresses. So sleep is is probably the best example for most people to really kind of comprehend. Most people find that when they're stressed, their sleep quality or quantity goes down. They they find themselves things like hard um, hard to go to sleep or they'll wake up multiple times, that sort of stuff. And the converse is true, that if your sleep hasn't been great, you're generally adversely affected by stresses in your life because you you haven't got that rest. So you're more likely to have an emotional reaction. So um, the reason why I talk about sleep as a a good example is most people can really relate to that. So there's all sorts of things you can do to help yourself in terms of the, the quality and quantity of sleep that you get but gosh there's so many I mean as I said sleep diet and exercise but things like connections things like finding ways to I'll I'll put in quotation marks negative emotions but to me no emotions negative but find things like anger um, find ways that you can process it and move through it rather than suppress it so that it doesn't kind of almost get blocked in you and it doesn't become an underlying, I don't know, bubbling away under the surface the whole time until sometime it, 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 you have an angry outburst at someone you don't want to or that sort of stuff. So there's all sorts of lifestyle things and, as I said, mindset things that you can do to really help yourself stay in a really healthy physically and mentally healthy space to be able to cope with what life throws at you so it's kind of probably all the uh things people have heard many times but maybe we don't give them all the attention and and see the potency that they actually do have yeah that is simply like like drinking more water and you know getting more sleep or or if you feel stressed and you have no time for anything and you make the time to exercise you might feel less stressed throughout the rest of the day and discover you did have time Yep. And and you make a really good point there. Most of these, most people know about, but most people don't do them. So the trick is to make them just part of habits and the part of the way that you really live your your everyday life. So, I mean, you you mentioned exercise, things like um, 
find some sort of exercise that that you love doing. So maybe you love playing basketball. So make it a habit by signing up with a local team to play basketball a couple of times a week or whatever kind of applies to you. So you're absolutely right. Most people most people know that stuff, that level two stuff, yeah. to varying degrees. Um, you, you, when you first phrased, you said people know about those things, and that's the differentiator, right? When you know about something, it's just in your head. When you really know it, you're, you're doing it. You're living it. That's what, you know, judge judge by the fruits of our knowingness, not just, oh, I think I know about that. But until we have the experience, make it part of our daily existence, uh, yep. that's when we truly, that's what shows what we know, I find. A- cool. Absolutely. And, right. and habits are often the key to that make it a habit so that it just becomes automatically part of the way you live your life right so when you work on level two uh taking control of your life setting things up to be more peaceful all the time you're not always living in that just uh i'm constantly stressed i'm i'm deep belly breathing like every five minutes (laughs) you know you're you're you're, like i said it's levels so you're taking out you're going outside of that immediate moment of crisis to kind of laying the stage for a a more resilient day-to-day experience Yep, absolutely. Right. So that when those stresses happen, you're not going to react as much. Cool. All right. And so what? And then the third level. The, the third level, um, as a coach, when I work with people one on one, this is to me probably the most life changing and most um, interesting, rewarding, and and. Yeah, it's just an an enormously powerful kind of way to work with people. So most people have subconscious things um, that have happened. So this could be values, decisions, automatic behaviours, all sorts of things that they they are generally not aware of. And it's actually been thought that 95% of our behaviour is from the subconscious mind. So a really good everyday kind of example of that is you think of when you drive a car. If you've been driving a car for sort of 10 plus years, you don't have to think, um, okay, so now while I'm stopping, I need to put my foot on the brake pedal. And as I'm turning the corner, I need to turn my head. You don't think that stuff. It's it's subconscious automatic behaviour. That's what they mean by 95% of behaviour is, is subconscious. And if you take that in terms of our um, reactions, there are, as I said, there are generally things that um, beliefs, values, perceptions that we have that we're not aware of. So, for example, um, there's all sorts of, and it's a very individual thing, but just say you have a, a thing that if I ask for help, I'm weak. So there may have been a message or or something that you've picked up when you're a small child that says, if I ask for help, it shows that I am weak. And it's a common one, especially for men, that one, um, where if if you take that and often, it's worth noting a lot of the time, often these subconscious things have made a lot of sense when you were a child. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be in a, in a situation of abuse or neglect or any of that sort of stuff, but it may be just a, a, a social norm in your family or, or whatever where um, these beliefs and perceptions were made. So if you think about that, if I ask for help, I'm weak, and put that into an adult context, um, 
when you look objectively at that and identify that that is your underlying belief, because as I said, most of the time people aren't aware of it, um, that if you look at how that's going to actually affect somebody in their everyday adult life, it means that if they are mentally struggling, they don't think it's okay to reach out to a counsellor or a friend or, or whatever for help. Um, it can mean that um, even if physically they need to do stuff, so just say, I don't know, they've got a, a house that um, needs major repairs but they feel like they need to do all of it themselves but it makes a lot more logical sense to either hire somebody else or to get a friend to help you with it and if they feel that if I ask for help I'm weak they're actually making things a lot harder for themselves so it it manifests in all sorts of different ways but yeah as I said as a coach it's my favorite way to work because it's just if you get to these, identify them and overturn them for help people overturn them, it can be absolutely life-changing. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And my coaching training is all energy coaching and getting down to that root, that core belief, that that energy that you probably, you know, you heard it, it was taught down. You didn't even realize that you chose it, yet it's impacting every day of your life. And I love how you chose that. That notion of asking for help is a sign of weakness. Because um, I say often, I remind men that often the bravest thing you can do is ask for help. And like the worst stereotypes, the oldest jokes about men, we won't ask for directions. So, well, you know, we, we buy stuff. We don't read the directions that come with how to put something together, which I ah, figured out, which goes back to this idea of this distortion that I'm resilient because I'm tough. I'm resilient because I did it by myself. And that's, that's just the fallacy. That's what leads to people, you know, living much more painful lives than they need to. 100% sounds like we're on exactly the same wavelength, Andy. Mm-hmm. Cool. So do, do you see a difference in how men and women deal with stress? Yes, definitely. Um, men will, and, and please don't take this as across the board, it is general trends and stereotypes. It's not everybody. But as a general thing, men will more internalise it and they will find ways to either push it down or distract themselves. So distract themselves could be, I don't know, disappearing into to, into the shed for a day and deciding that they want to tinker on their car or um, it could be going to the pub with a friend. Um, they, they generally won't express things as much. They won't, as we just mentioned, they won't ask for help as much and they will find either suppression or distraction. And the problem is long-term the issue is generally still there and it will build up. So um, this unfortunately shows in things like suicide rates for men. Um it's kind of thought out there a lot more women will seek help for depression, but suicide rates for men are worse. Yeah. So it's it almost gets pushed down or distracted to a point where it, it, it hits a, a real serious tipping point. So that's men. Yeah. Women more will, they're probably a little bit more self-aware in terms of realising what's going on in themselves. Women, women have this, um, I must do it, I have to do it kind of thing. So they'll they'll keep on taking things on and they'll give and they'll, they're very giving by nature, most women. So they'll they'll give to others, they'll do to others, and they'll put their own needs last. Um, as I said, 
across the it's not everybody it's just general patterns they'll put their own needs last yes they will reach out for help and they'll they'll talk to friends or they'll um get a counselor or that sort of stuff but they reach tipping points in in other ways that they will put their own needs last and to the point where they get absolutely emotionally and physically exhausted um and i've seen a lot of that with women during the pandemic with um looking after kids and trying to keep down professional jobs and and all that sort of stuff when there's been schooling from home and yeah <laughs> yeah there's a uh, i mean there's a whole underdeveloped field of gender medicine which realizes that men and women are different and down to every single cell they're, they're different our, our 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 genes our chromosomes are different down to you know every cell in us and i i i don't know it enough to name the study but there was a study done on men and women about depression and the, the people knew this was happening to them. So they gave them a chemical that, that shut off uh, dopamine or serotonin and it ma- they, they made people depressed. And the women got emotional and asked to talk to somebody. The men all wanted to quit and leave and go across the street to the bar. So they showed no traditional outward signs of depression, but they were like, had enough of this place. I'm pissed. This is dumb. I'm leaving. And while the women show traditional signs of depression. So there, there's a difference. And you know, we, there can be stereotypes that try to be applied to everybody and the stereotypes are rooted in truth, but they're not rooted in the truth of every single person. So yeah, it, it is made, I hope there's more attention paid to that, but yeah, how, so how we deal with people, you know, it's, it, it, it's different. Um, every human being can get depressed, but how they show it, how they hide it, <laughs> how they deal with it can be very, very different. And so I know that you work with a lot of, of, of cultures and companies and, and creating resilient leadership. How is resiliency different for an individual versus a, a culture? It's, it's an interesting point. So I guess for a culture, it's around setting up um, parameters, processes, systems, norms, um, leadership forms where there is um, stresses are are, um, reduced as much as possible. So systems are a good example of how to to do that. They're they're reduced as much as possible, but also there's a culture of where when stresses do occur. So um, just say, for example, there's some sort of, um, I don't know, market force change where where something's changed and it's put a lot of pressure on the company or whatever, that there's a culture within it of of supporting and helping and collaborating and encouraging each other. So from a cultural perspective, it's it's leadership and it's norms within norms and systems and, and stuff within the company that yeah, help help people. So reduce the stress as much as possible, but also have ways that when the stresses do occur, there, there are mechanisms in there so that it's not as, as seriously affected by the individuals within the organisation. Okay, so the, so the organisation has things in place to help each, each individual be more resilient as opposed to we have a yep. corporate policy of resiliency. It's not like some something like that. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. So right. it's a good point. So there can be one-on-one individual sides to it, but also as a general culture and, and processes and norm side as well. Yeah. Cool. Oh, and so, right. So a culture of of openness and encourage people to ask for help or to 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 say, hey, I'm really stressed. I could use some help on this this project instead of, uh, you know, burying themselves into it more and becoming miserable and probably doing a bad job if they're miserable as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, so if people don't feel safe to ask for help or to express new ideas, the natural human reaction is you almost silo and go inward and do this survival well I'm just here to do my job and I'm not going to step out of my comfort zone so yeah um set up that that almost that safe environment for people yeah hmm. yeah I never thought of it I've heard of making a safe place to ask for help but not even thinking that you need a safe place to suggest a new ideas to to innovate also needs that right you need permission to be wrong if you want to set something forward that that could be a great idea hmm. absolutely so is resiliency, is this ability to come back to peace, come back to calm, is this an innate skill that some people are better at and some people aren't, or is it something that everybody needs to learn? It's a really interesting question. Um, I think people have it to varying degrees. Um, if we think of that level three, again, of the, the subconscious stuff, some people are triggered more by stresses than others because of some of those underlying subconscious beliefs and perceptions um i don't i don't know i i kind of i don't think it's an innate thing i think it's something that you either learn or circumstances have developed it well or not so well in you so i lean more it's it's sort of an unknown kind of thing but i lean more to it's a it's a learnt thing and sometimes that's learnt by consciously learning it. And sometimes that's learned by just the default of things that happen in our life. Right. So all, all of our habits aren't necessarily bad and negative tilted. We could have positive habits that are resiliency that we didn't, didn't study a book. We just um, modeled in our household or, you know, we're taught to children that were taught to meditate from age six on or something to have how to get that, that sense of inner grace back. Absolutely. The, the things like, yeah, Kids meditate from their six um, is a really good example because that's showing in a lot of cultures in the world and a lot of um, programs that, that different cultures are developing within schools. So when when you're working with with a culture, with a company, with with a leadership group, is it the same sort of tools of, of self care that are how to make resilience practical? You, sorry, do you mean as in working with um, businesses as opposed to working with individuals? Yeah, like it, yeah. It, is it is it just teaching the tools to the to a wider group of people? Um, yes and no. So when I'm working in organisations and and with leaders, the first step is always developing their own resilience. So in that way, it's exactly the same whether it's individuals or, or cultures, because to me, the leader sets the tone. So they need to be in a good place in themselves to be able to set the tone for the organisation, to set an example, um, and also to be acting from that rational, calm place themselves to be able to make the best decisions. So in that way, it's exactly the same. But in terms of if you're talking company-wide um, and leadership styles, it's probably a lot more... Um, systematic large culture um, stuff. So when we're talking about once the leaders are in a good place, setting that culture, it's it's quite different to, to the working with individual. And, and I, 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 I do one-on-one -on -one coaching either as leaders or as individuals, but also sort of training and then working with businesses around, okay, what are the cultural norms? What are, what, how are your people feeling? Um, what are the, the things that are the sticking points? Um, 
the problems, the areas for development and the areas that, that they do well, and then working with them on a sort of a larger systematic kind of scale in terms of dealing with it. So on that level, it's quite different to the individual. And I, I wanted to, I was going to ask something, I realized the phrasing is kind of weird. So let me ask the original way. Is the pandemic forcing people to be more resilient than I thought, well, actually, is resiliency something you can force anyway? Is that kind of counterproductive? So, That's such a good question. I think there were big issues with resiliency and stress levels before the pandemic. Um, there were some very seriously concerning trends that have been emerging over sort of the last 10, 20 years. Um, I think what the pandemic did is one is highlighted that. So um, it highlighted that it was a problem because for a lot of people it's actually gone a step worse with the pandemic. But it's also the up the the good side, the upside of it is it's actually raised awareness that it's actually a problem because it was a problem before, but people weren't as much seeing it as a problem. Whereas the pandemic, it's been more acknowledge that it's actually um, an issue. And as to whether the pandemic's made it worse or better, it is an individual thing, but I think the pandemic has, um, has seriously challenged people in ways that they weren't previously. So, for example, um, Tony, you may not may be familiar with Tony Robbins's um, six core human needs. Mm. So two of those needs are certainty. Um, so knowing where you stand and what what's going on. There's been a lack of certainty through the pandemic because people didn't know about their health, about their employment, that sort of stuff. But the the converse side of that is there is a second human need of variety. So that's also been affected in the pandemic. So people, the, the word this feels like Groundhog Day, I've heard so many times when people have, have been basically working from home. So whether it's a work day or not work day, a, a, a lunchtime or whatever, it just seems to be day in, day out yeah. the same. So, and there's, I won't go, there's other core human needs. And I think a lot of the core human needs have been really tested mm. during the pandemic. So to that extent, yes, it has made it, um, made it worse for a lot of people. For some people, it's actually made it better. Um, but I think they're probably more the exception than the norm. Yeah. I think in my own experience, uh, the, the first year of this pandemic, like, oh, I already worked from home. I'm on Zoom all the time. Not, not much changed for me. But uh, just in the past couple of weeks, I've really noticed like, wow, I need more support. I need connection. I need to see a human being in person. I, I, I want a high five. I want a hug. I want I want to touch someone's, you know, I want an elbow bump. I needed something. And I had to consciously, you know, recognize that I'm stressed, recognize this um, and and do something about it. Take take action. And I made plans and said, hey, I, I can I get together? I didn't have to like make some big dramatic thing, but, I, you know, get support. And so, uh, and, and I love the notion of how this, uh, this, I mean, life is less, certain anyway it seems to me the the pace of change gets faster and faster but then this the, the pandemic will really throw that uh into a whole nother level but yeah that our need for variety too i i had not even thought of that during this time but that that's really interesting hmm. mm. so uh, jody what's the best way for people to find out more about you and and how you can help them and how you're working with the world 
Yep. So probably the best way to find out more about me is my website, um, which is, and I'm sure in the show notes you'll have the spelling of my name, it's just um, jodywalkling.com. If you go on there, you can find out about the different services I do. There's options there for reaching out to me. There's information about my new book that that just recently um, got released. Um, and, yeah, that's probably the best way. If, if your audience are on LinkedIn, I'm very active on LinkedIn. I am on um, other platforms but nowhere near as, as active. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've started the last couple of months building up a, a, a bank of videos on YouTube. So if they search Jodie Walkling on, on YouTube, they can see sort of my, my content there. And I've got playlists around um, whether it's personal, individual resilience or, or organisational as cool. well. Well, get, get it. What's the new book called? World Class Leadership. So it's okay. it's directed towards um, organisational leaders, um, basically around what are some of the really common patterns that I see in terms of, of cultural issues. So it's an awareness piece around that with lots of um, case studies. and Awesome. Yeah. Cool, cool. Uh, Jody, really appreciate you making the time to talk to us. So you're joining us from Australia. Uh, it's not always easy to connect time zones, and but uh, thanks for bringing some some variety and clarity uh, to how to deal with with the stresses of the days and reminding us all how simple it can be to develop our our resilience. Because I think uh, I know for me, if 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 I want to overcomplicate something, because then that'll be the reason why I'm not good at it. But you really made it as simple as some deep belly breaths, and you can start feeling better. Then there's yeah. no reason not to. Yep. Yeah. Beautiful. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on, Andy. It's been a great chat. Yep, my pleasure. And uh, wherever you're discovering Real Men Feel, please subscribe, share this with somebody, post a review, a comment, uh, introduce the, the men and the women that love men in your life to the show. You can always reach out to me at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Always glad to hear from you. And you know, I honestly find that coaching is one of the most powerful forces in the world. So reach out to Jody, reach out to me, visit theandygrant.com slash talk. If you want to have a conversation about how I might be able to help you, reach out to Jody, see how she can help you develop your resiliency for yourself, for your culture, your corporation. Um, and through all of it, be good to yourself. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>